everybody. Hope you're doing well. This is a rare Sunday night edition of To The Point, but going to be traveling tomorrow, doing a few things, so won't be available for a podcast until Tuesday. So thought I'd jump on here tonight, have many thoughts from over the weekend. So let's get into this. Another interesting day in the NFL, as it always is on a Sunday. A weekend you started, and I talked about this on Friday, you're looking at games and you're going, not that interested in that. Uh, That game's going to suck. That's not that interesting. But yet we finish the day with Chargers Chiefs about to wrap up, and you go, there's a lot of entertainment today. A lot of interesting results. How about the fact that the one in five Giants and the one in five Patriots, the one in five Bears, all win today? The Bears without a starting quarterback, the Giants without a starting quarterback, the Patriots have never had a starting quarterback since Tom Brady. So you could say all three one in five teams, no starting quarterback, and they all find a way to win. Interesting results. Game of the day for me. Lions, Ravens, a complete bludgeoning. Lamar Jackson might have had his best game as a pro. He is back in the MVP conversation. The Ravens are 5-2 and two and they play the Cardinals next week. They are in a good place down there in Maryland. The Pittsburgh Steelers go into Los Angeles off a bye week and beat the Rams. The Steelers, who couldn't play offense and still really can't in any first half, outscore the Rams in the second half. Their defense with Larry Owen Joby and TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith wreck Matthew Stafford and the Pittsburgh Steelers improve to four and two and a loaded AFC North. Not to mention Kansas City beat Los Angeles, which pretty big result, which we'll get to. But Bill Belichick gets his 300th career win today. Congratulations to him. On the day that it was leaked that he signed a lucrative contract extension in the offseason via Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network. Patriots win. The team still sucks. The team still has many flaws. They're 2-5. and five. They're not going to be a playoff team. But they won a game at home. Belichick gets the 300. It's a good thing if you're a Patriots fan. Not really. But you win, so you feel good about it. That's the dilemma. You want to lose games because you want to tank, but you feel so good as a fan when you win. Oh, I felt so good to win tonight. But you didn't. You shouldn't have won. You don't really want to win if you used your brain that was that occupied intelligence. But nevertheless, we move on. The bigger deal today... The Buffalo Bills should have lost to the Giants, but the refs bailed them out. And Tyrod Taylor bailed them out. But you almost lose to them, but you beat them at home. And then you go play the Patriots. 
One and five. Mac Jones looks like he's got no confidence. Belichick's being talked about by the media that he should be fired at the end of the year, which still should be on the table. They got no talent, the Patriots. They got no confidence. They got nothing going for them. And you go into New England and you lay an absolute egg. Josh Allen didn't just play bad today. He played horrible. We're looking at games this year for the Buffalo Bills. Just come with me on this journey, okay? Just come with me for a minute. Bills have played seven games. We'll get back to this game. Last week against the Giants, Josh Allen played good in that game. I think he played well when he threw for under 200. Had a two, uh, two turnovers on the day. I don't think he played well. So let's say it's a bad game. Okay, one bad game. Week five against the Jags. Well, he threw for 360. You might say, oh, he had a good game. I don't think he had a good game. Couldn't convert. A lot of bad throws. Hip and Stephon Diggs. Okay. Lost to the Jags in London. That's two bad games. Dolphins, he was fantastic. At home, played great. Week three. Who did the Bills play? Let's see. The Bills in week three played the Commanders. He had a great game. So we're two and two so far. Week two, he played the Raiders. That's a win. Played a great game. And week one against the Jets, it was Hoffel. So that's three and three. Then we get to today. He was not good. Josh Allen has played three good games and three really awful ones so far this season. Anybody can do that. Anybody can pl- can do what he has done with his quarterback play. It's happening all around the league. Desmond Ritter is 4-3, but he's an idiotic quarterback. decision-making, his lackadaisical decisions. The Falcons won today, and they had three turnovers in the red zone. Josh Allen's on his level. He had two turnovers himself. Missing throws, bad passes to Stephon Diggs. The Buffalo Bills are missing defensive players. There'll be they'll, people talk about that. Oh, this is not right with them. They don't have this guy, the pass rush. Blah, 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 blah. They're just not playing good football. They beat the Dolphins. They're not better than the Dolphins. They've never been better than the Chiefs. And Josh Allen, okay, a talented quarterback, sure. But he's just not intelligent. He doesn't make smart decisions. In the clutch moments, he wilts. He doesn't find a way to win. He makes a dumb decision. Today in the red zone, on fourth downs, not happening. Letting a wounded Patriots defense, by the way, beat you. Now that Bill's defense wasn't good. Mac Jones completed 25 or 30 passes. He was lighting them up. He did whatever he wanted. He's not an accurate quarterback, by the way. Okay, the Patriots are a divisional opponent. I don't care. They're a team that has to be an automatic win 
on your schedule. And I never bought into this, but the Bills are not in the conversation with the Chiefs. Even though they struggled early on, the Bengals, when it comes to representing the AFC in the Super Bowl. Because they don't have the firepower to do it, point blank. They don't have the weapons. They don't have the intelligence. I don't like their Sean McDermott as their coach. He doesn't speak confidence into me. You're playing a team with zero confidence and you go in there and you lose to them. Letting Mac Jones look like an all-pro. Allowing the Gasecki touchdown with 12 seconds to play. Stephon Diggs, Josh Allen. Stephon Diggs wasn't good today either. He dropped multiple big passes. When we're talking about great teams, the Chiefs have lost this year. They lost the Detroit Lions. Detroit's 5-2. and two. That's a respectable loss. Because you know what? The Lions, despite the fact that they were bludgeoned today, are a good team. And they're going to win their division. And they're going to be a playoff team. All that is happening. But the Chiefs don't have these stupid losses. The Bills have three or four of them a year. Three, four of them a year this happens to them. Where you look up and go, they lost to the Jets. The night the Jets lost Aaron Rodgers to a torn Achilles for the season. How? We should have lost to the Giants at home as a double-digit favorite without Danny Dimes. Or their left tackle. Or their right tackle. But the officials felt bad for our competence, so they bailed us out on that one. Jets, Patriots, Jags. You lose in London, okay. We'll give you that one, and the Jags are 5-2, and two, and they look pretty damn good in the AFC. And the Jags are a better team than the Bills. The Jags are a bigger threat to the Kansas City Chiefs. They have more versatility. They have more athletes. With the defense of Buffalo getting more and more injured week after week, the Jags can present problems. We got a long way to go here, but the Bills just aren't a threat to me. I'll never buy into them. They're a fraud team. They're the team that you see and people say, oh, it's the Bills. The Bills are coming. The Bills are a threat. The, the Buffalo Bills are the Toronto Maple Leafs of the NHL, where people talk about them all the time. And people want them to win because it's a story where the city hasn't won jack shit and it's you feel bad for them, but you know they're never going to win. Might sound harsh, Maple Leaf fans, but just the reality. Oh, we got into the second round. That's great. <laughs> yeah, the teams that win get farther than the second round. Newsflash.
But for the Bills, you lose in New England. You got Tampa on Thursday. Quick turnaround. Tampa couldn't score points today. Tampa's still trying to figure out what they are. The whole NFC South is just a a bunch of teams that are there. Atlanta's 4-3 and three somehow. With Desmond Ritter, who is not a good quarterback, doesn't <laughs> has Drake London, Kyle Pitts, all these weapons, doesn't get them the football. Their defense is pretty good. Tampa's 3-3. Three and three. New Orleans, who has more offensive weapons than any team in NFL, they can't score points, can't complete a pass. And then Carolina, who stinks. The worst team in the NFL. Somebody has to win this division. Could be Atlanta, could be Tampa, could be New Orleans. Who the hell knows? A lot of season there. But for Buffalo, figure it out. And they've locked up Josh Allen, and they locked up the GM, and they locked up Sean McDermott for a long time because they feel this is the group that's going to get them over the hump. Remind you of an NHL team? The comparison? Does to me. But hey, Bill's country. Let's ride. Let's keep going. Four and three after seven weeks. I don't think a lot of you had that in the bingo card. Good luck. The Giants beat the, the Commanders. Is Tyra Taylor better than Danny Dimes? Real chat here. Is he? He played better today than Danny Dimes did in any game this year. Point that out. And Andrew Thomas, the all-pro left tackle, didn't play. And Evan Neal, the right tackle, didn't play. So it can't be, well, the offensive line was better because it really wasn't. The players that Danny Dimes was missing, so was Tyra Taylor. And the commanders aren't uh, juggernauts here. They're, but they were three and three coming in. Tyrod Taylor threw for two seventy nine and didn't turn the ball over, which is a new uh, experience for the Giants. And Darren Waller got involved, nearly had hundred yards. He threw the ball to Jalen Hyatt, who's a rookie we've hardly seen used. Danny Dimes is going to make a lot of money. He is making a lot of money. That contract will continue to hold them down. But is Tyrod Taylor better than than Daniel Jones? I think he's as good. He's as good. Shame on the commanders. You have to win this game. I don't care you're on the road in your division. Same thing as the Bills. You, Ron Rivera, you're coaching for your job. New ownership. They expect results. And you go lose to the Giants? Woof. Near fireball offense. But all these Raiders. You lose by 18 in Chicago? I don't give a shit that Brian Hoyer's in at quarterback. 18? Turn the ball over four times? Badgent? Only eight incompletions? They're in the football effectively. Undrafted free agent comes in. Tyson Badgett gets the start. Good on him. 
Vegas isn't a good team. We all know that. But they're better than the Bears. Vegas drops to 3-4. and four. They got a long season here. One thing I think is in common with a lot of these losses today. Washington, Ron Rivera, on the hot seat and is near burning. He's like on the electric chair, except the electric chair is just you, you light, dump a bunch of fire, a bunch of gas on it, and you light it. Vegas, Josh McDaniels is in that same predicament. I don't think they they put a good team in front of them this year. They put a band aid quarterback and Jimmy Garoppolo in front of them, in more ways than one. Band aid the fact that. He's a placeholder for your next quarterback, but also he's a Band-Aid because he is never healthy. So that's a double negative. But you have a Devontae Adams who might be the best receiver in the NFL, and you see the guys in the, in the league who are having superb years, like a Tyreek Hill, like an A.J. Brown, Stefan Diggs, Puka Nakua, a rookie. But you go down the list, where is... Devontae Adams is 13th in receiving yards. 13th after the seven-game mark. As Devontae Adams. He was pissed off before. Imagine how pissed off he is now. Another 1-5 team win. Broncos. Let's ride. They win against the Packers. Just came in. They're now 2-5. Packers. 2-4. Jordan Love not inspiring anybody. Coming off a bye week, and you only put up 17 points in Denver against that defense. In a week where Detroit loses, you think, okay, this is, but now you're right in the mix with the Chicago Bears when it comes to a record. I expected more from Green Bay, and I'm wrong about them. I thought that they, I thought they could contend for the division. They're not going to. They host the Vikings next week. Who the hell knows how that game goes? And they host the Rams. They got some winnable games down the stretch. But the Packers are not scaring anybody. The Jordan Love pivot from Aaron Rodgers has not exactly been stupendous. Not been successful. Not a scary team. But hey, Sean Payton wins another game, so... Broncos country, that's right. You're missing out on a better draft pick by winning the game. Way to go, Russell Wilson. The big takeaway from the day, Kansas City still runs the NFL. That's right. I even question them a bit. You look around and go, 
well, the 49ers are pretty good. The Bengals are threatening. You can go through different teams. Maybe they could be a threat. The Dolphins. But at the end of the day, the Kansas City Chiefs are still the best team in the league. They still have the best quarterback. They have the best tight end. They have Taylor Swift. Ugh. And they have a defense that did not allow a point in the second half to the San Diego Superchargers. 24-17 at halftime. Both teams duking it out. Chiefs giving up big plays. The Chargers giving up big plays. Herbert looks good. Mahomes looks better. But it's a game. It's 24-17. And while Kansas City was not awesome in the second half, they only had seven points, the Kansas City defense did not allow one single point. That pass rush of Karloftis, Chris Jones, and the MVP of the defense today, Willie Gay, with two sacks, two pass breakups, and an interception. They have it all. They still have the nucleus. They still have the coach. They still have the quarterback. Nico Hardman comes back over from the Jets. You had another element. He had a great punt return today. The offense is coming together. Mahomes threw for 424. Four touchdowns, one interception. They're not a great rushing team. They never have been. They don't have to be. Mahomes had 29 yards rushing. Pacheco had 32 on 13 carries. But Travis Kelsey, 12 for 179, touchdown. Rasheed Rice, Pacheco, Valdez, Scantling. Four touchdown passes to four different receivers. They have the weaponry. They have the belief. They still have the team to repeat. And the Kansas City Chiefs are the best team in the NFL at 6-1 and one after seven weeks. There will be threats. And though of a loss you don't see coming, likely won't be to Denver next week. But maybe the Chiefs lose to the Dolphins in Week 9 when they play in Germany. Maybe that's the game where you go, what the hell happened here? Maybe the Dolphins, you'll think, they're back at it. They're back being at the top of the, the mountain. But the Chiefs are the best team in the league. A few weeks of what happened here. Are they that good? We don't trust the receivers. But they're starting to put it together. Now, I still believe that the Dolphins have the best offense in the league. And we're going to see tonight when they play the Philadelphia Eagles. In what should be a great Sunday night football game. Dolphins come in as an underdog. We'll see what they can do. And I believe the Cincinnati Bengals, as they get healthier are still a threat. Joe Burrow is the second-best quarterback of the league. Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, that group, defense that is amazing on third down. That team can compete. That team can play. 
But until somebody does it to Kansas City, and not to mention, what a team has to do in the AFC is win the AFC. Do not allow the Kansas City Chiefs to have the bye. Do not allow the Kansas City Chiefs to have home field advantage throughout the AFC because you're probably not going to go win an arrowhead. Cincinnati did it a few years ago. But it's tough to win there. And they know the formula. And they know how to get to the Super Bowl and win. For a team like Miami, it's over for the Bills. Three losses. And they'll have more throughout the year. Because <laughs> they still have to go play at the Dolphins. You gotta, you gotta be great from jump. You can't have these lapses. You can't have a stupid Patriots loss on your schedule. That can't be available to you because you need home field. You need everything to go your way. Now your season has pivoted from we want to win the AFC to we want to win our division. We want to remain competitive. The Dolphins win tonight. They will have a two-game advantage on the Buffalo Bills after seven weeks. That's not great. That's not ideal for the Buffalo Bills. So you have to go beat Miami again in, in Miami and hope other teams can do your bidding while you figure out your shit on the other end. Cincinnati? Joe Burrow heard earlier, you're 3-3. Three and three. That's tough to make it up. To me, really, the only team that can threaten the Kansas City Chiefs for top spot in the AFC are the Dolphins. Maybe the Jags. But again, Kansas City will hold that tiebreaker because they beat the Jags in Week 2. you got to find a way to win that game. Kansas City's been doing it since Mahomes got in the league. Get home field throughout the playoffs. Have the Arrowhead Invitational. Welcome everybody to come in and send them packing. And you get back to another Super Bowl. And I was saying, you know, with a good buddy today, he hates Mahomes. I'm not sure why. Maybe because he's threatening Tom Brady. Because he's more talented than Brady. The better quarterback than Brady. Maybe that's why. I don't know. But Mahomes is the star. He is top of the mountain. He's the best player in the sport. And this team is getting confident, more and more confident week after week. And they're a train that when it starts chugging, it's hard to stop. I would just say the rest of the league, look out. Because they're not an easy out. They're not fun to play against, in particular at home. Figure it out while you can. For the Chargers. <sighs> two and four. Start the season 0-2. Then you win two straight before you get your bye week. You think, okay, Brandon Staley, Chargers have righted the ship. And they then, you then lose to the Cowboys. And you lose... To the Chiefs. Tough results. Two very good teams, to be fair. But you're expected to be in that mix. 
And in the game today, you never really felt like you were going to beat Kansas City. You should have beat the, the Cowboys on Monday night, but you blew it. Herbert didn't shine in the big moments. Brandon Steely's coaching is atrocious. And the Chargers have been the Chargers for a long time. Nothing changes. Keenan Allen's been off to an amazing start to the season. He had more of a quiet day today, but you look, Josh Palmer, Quinton Johnson, who they still can't figure out how to use. He took him in the first round. He's never been one catch today for 20 yards. You have a defense full of players with big names like Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa, but yet they give up a whole lot of points. Gave up almost 500 yards today to the Kansas City Chiefs. Outgained by over more than 140 yards. You didn't win possession. Kansas City had 25 first downs to your, to your 16. And you turned the ball over two times in the second half. The Chargers can compete for a playoff spot the rest of the year. You'll look and go, well, they can finish second in the AFC West because Vegas isn't very good and Denver's atrocious. That's not an accomplishment. Can you get into the playoffs and make a splash? Let's look at the Chargers schedule the next little while. They got the Bears next Sunday night. Don't know why that's a primetime game. Flex that. Then they go to the Jets on a Monday night. Host the Lions. Go to Green Bay. This is their next five. And they host the Ravens on a Sunday night. You're two and four. You need to win a lot of those games. You might say the Bears is a layup. I don't think the Jets is a layup. Ravens are certainly not a layup. Do you go three and two in that stretch? Then you're... <laughs> Five and six after 11 games. That's, you're still in a tough spot then. You basically have to win out down the stretch. They could look at the AFC and go, there's not that many good teams, which I agree with. But the Chargers are right there with the Jets that are lacking Aaron Rodgers. You don't feel great about the team. Both coaching, play calling, all of the above. Defense. The Pittsburgh Steelers have their warts. They got a lot of problems with that team. They are such a weird group. Such a weird team. But they're four and two. You're two and four. They went to play the Rams and they beat them on the road. 
They beat the Cincinnati Bengals this year. They beat the Baltimore Ravens this year. Two of those three winning record teams. Two of those games were on the road for the Pittsburgh Steelers. They beat the Cleveland Browns this season. They have impressive wins on their, on their schedule. And they might score 16 points in those games where they win, but I don't give a rat's ass. They're 4-2. The Cleveland Browns are 4-2, and, and they've had P.J. Walker and Dorian Thompson-Robinson and different players for all these different games. They're 4-2. They find a way to win them. Cleveland beat San Francisco with a backup quarterback. A third-string quarterback, one might argue. You go lose a home game to Dallas, and you do what you always do against Kansas City, you'll lose against them because they own you. But you start out your season, you give up 36 to the Fish. Fish are a good team, but 36. Then you lose to the Titans on the road, the 2-4 and four Titans. you got to win that game, Period. I think the AFC North is going to be a battle the whole way. Because I think the Steelers, with all their warts, are a good team. And the Ravens, the way they play today, with the movement on offense and the options and the RPO into the play action to the quarterback run, they have so many ways that they can beat you in Baltimore with Lamar playing the way he did. Cincinnati getting healthier. More and more confident. And the Cleveland Browns were gifted a win today in Indianapolis. There shouldn't have been pass interference in the back of the end zone on a, on a fourth down. But they called it. Because why? Well, usually there's not pass interference if the ball is not catchable. The ball is not catchable, but they threw the flag anyway. And the Colts got hosed. Browns get a win. Another win while Dickhead is on the sideline. That's the only thing I can say. I'm happy for the Browns. I like Miles Garrett. Kareem Hunt gets a couple touchdowns. I hate their quarterback. P.J. Walker, I wish he'd start the rest of the year. Then I could root for this team. What was interesting was Deshaun Watson past concussion protocol, and they didn't put him back in the game. It's like a polar opposite from the UFC event yesterday. You pass the test, but they don't put you back in. They stick with P.J. Walker. Hmm. Deshaun was awful before that started, but he is the guy making the most money in the sport. You'd think you'd have your prized possession back in the game if he was healthy and willing to play. Was he willing to play? What the, What's happening there? Trouble in paradise? Well, not paradise. It's Cleveland, Ohio. But trouble in uh, suburbia? Trouble in the land of cold and whatever the hell else you do there in Cleveland? Not much. Strange. I'll tell you that. They win 
Gardner Minshew played pretty well. Deserved to win that game for the Colts. They fall to three and four. Browns are four and two. Looking ahead, week eight, you have Bucks at the Bills Thursday night. Texans at Carolina. Rams at the Cowboys coming off a bye. Vikings, Packers, Saints, Colts. Interesting matchup. Patriots at the Fish. Jets, Giants, New York battle. Jags at the Steelers, which is a spicy, fun game. Falcons, Titans. Eagles, Commies. Browns, Seahawks, fun game. Bengals, 49ers. Seven weeks if you have to write off teams. I'm writing off the Giants. They're not going anywhere. They're a bad team. They'll be picking high in the draft. They won a game today. Kudos to them. But I don't see a turnaround for them this year. I'm also writing off the Commanders. Two awful losses this year for them. Thursday night against Chicago. And then you lose today to the Giants. Just can't happen. You play the Eagles again next week, and you've played them in a close game earlier, but I don't trust them. Still got to play Dallas twice. Not happening for them. The Bears, they've been rode off for a long time. They won today, but they're not a playoff team. When is Fields going to come back? They're just in a weird position. I'm about ready to write off Green Bay. They just... They don't inspire you, that's for sure. Bad quarterback play. Play calling that's not all that creative. What is this team? Where is it going? Nowhere fast, the way they've been playing recently. Minnesota's got San Francisco on Monday night. No Debo Samuel in that game. Sounds like Trent Williams is not going to play either, but Christian McCaffrey will be active. They're two and four. You lose to San Francisco, your season really is over. You beat San Francisco, you're three and four, and you play the Bears on Sunday. And while Justin Jefferson is not going to be available, I don't rule Minnesota out tomorrow night. I think it's a tough game either way. Minnesota is at home in that game. We'll see, however. They're a tough team. Detroit's going to win that division. NFC South, I talked about this. Carolina's 0-6. They're done. The other three teams? Could there be two playoff teams out of... The NFC South, potentially. Because what I just talked about, I think Philly and Dallas are both playoff teams. Detroit's a playoff team. San Francisco's going to be a playoff team, and I believe the Seattle Seahawks are also going to be a playoff team. They beat Arizona today. So somebody's going to win the division, but you could also be another wild card team from the NFC South. Seven, seven playoff teams in each conference. 
Tampa Bay smoked by the Lions, and you lose to Atlanta at home. Can't have that. And then you look at the Falcons and go, do you trust them to go on a run the rest of the season? I don't. I don't trust Desmond Ritter or the, the coaching situation there and what's happening. Somebody has to make the postseason. Here's another interesting storyline. Arizona Cardinals are 1-6. Their season's done. We knew it was done before the season with Josh Dobbs. Kyler Murray is practicing. He wants to return this year. Arizona should not want him on the field. They should not play him. They should continue to lose and hope that they can be worse than the Carolina Panthers. So that they can get the top pick in the draft and they can make their decision. Whether they want to take Caleb Williams or they want to take Drake May, whatever they want to do, have the option. Kyler Murray will compete and make that team better. There is no reason to put him on the field for the team. The player, I'm sure we'd like to show the rest of the league and still play or maybe prove to Arizona, you have your quarterback of the future right here. First-year head coach and Jonathan Gannon, and obviously the first year hasn't gone all, all that well. Now, could Kyler go to the Player Association and cause a fuss and say, hey, I'm healthy and they're just choosing not to play me? Even though I'm the starting quarterback and I have been for a long time, I was the first overall pick and cause a stir? That potentially could happen. But again, Arizona should keep him off the field. But how is that battle going to go? Who's going to win that war? Between the player and the team. Because it's one that's probably going to happen. And it's interesting to me. In the AFC, it's more open. Miami, obviously, still in it. Buffalo still is, despite the fact that they love to make it difficult on themselves. The Jets are in it. Jets are 3-3, three and three, but they're still in the playoff hunt. They got a good team. Their defense is elite. And who knows, Mr. Darkness Retreat could be back from a torn Achilles quicker than anybody ever. Patriots, they've been done. AFC North, every team is alive. Every team has a chance, and every team in the AFC North is pretty good. Baltimore, when when everybody's available and they're clicking like that, they are hard to beat. Cincinnati's been the class of that division for a long time. The Steelers have not had a losing record in 17 years. And they're 4-2. And And Kenny Pickett's starting to figure out a little bit, I think. (laughs) And their pass rush is great without Cam Hayward, I might add. They'll be their defense will be better when he returns. AFC South, I love the Jags. Houston's good, but they might be a year too early. Might take them another year to be a playoff team with the rookie and CJ Stroud. But they got a good club. And maybe they can win some games down the stretch that you don't expect them to. 
They play Carolina this coming weekend, so that should be a win for them. Prove them to four and three. Indies three and four. I think they're going to be in every game the rest of the year for the most part. They should have beaten the Browns today. They should be four and three with Gardner Minshew at quarterback. And he gives you a chance to win because I think he's the best backup in the NFL. They play the Saints this coming weekend. They'll be in that game. They absolutely have a chance to win it. Tennessee, I don't believe in. They're going to be a seller at the trade deadline. Derrick Henry, Ryan Tannehill, DeAndre Hopkins, potentially. Jeffrey Simmons, maybe on the back end, potentially. I see that as a team that other teams are looking at going, yard sale, who can we get and try to win? AFC West, only team I look at that go, maybe a playoff team can turn it around because they play great in the second half, which they did last year, is the is the Superchargers. But you're 2-4 and four and you're behind Vegas at this point in the standings. The Vegas Raiders are, are above you at three at three and four. With a new quarterback every other week. And Josh Jacobs having a disastrous year. And Devontae Adams having career lows in receptions and yards and targets. Despite the fact that you're paying him a boatload of money to be the number one man. But it seems to be working out Josh McDaniels losing to the Bears at Chicago. That's seven weeks of this crazy thing we call the NFL. I always wonder about firing a coach in season. doesn't happen all that often in the NFL. But I wanted to see if that's a prop right now. Because I think Ron Rivera is feeling it tonight. New ownership group absolutely could do it. Say he's not our guy. So just just another wild day. But I'll tell you, I can't wait for that game in Germany. Dolphins, Chiefs, Week 9, 10.30 a.m. kickoff to get the day going, the game of the weekend. That will be fun. But we'll see what happens. That's the NFL. Tonight, we get Dolphins-Eagles. I believe the Dolphins are going to go into Philadelphia and get the win on the road as a dog. Plus two and a half. We'll talk NFL on Tuesday when I return. We'll also recap the Monday night games. We'll talk about a few games on Tuesday and any other injuries and 
news and notes, of course. But I think tonight's game is going to be good. We'll see what transpires. Let's bounce around the rest of the sports world. News tonight, Connor McDavid is going to be out one to two weeks following an injury last night in their loss to the Winnipeg Jets. He left the game with about four minutes to play. I thought he's been injured since the beginning of the year, quite frankly. I think if you watch the game against the Flyers, he played horrible in that effort. He did not look strong. And his his mobility, his, his, his skating, just was not on a normal level that you expect from Connor McDavid. And it just was clear to me, this guy is not 100%. And now it's confirmed that he's going to be out one to two weeks. And also bad news for the league next Sunday night. And what? <laughs> Here's a rant. Next Sunday, you probably didn't know this. There's this thing called the Heritage Classic. There's an outdoor game in Calgary, I think. And it's on a Sunday night at 8 o'clock. Why Sunday? Why Sunday? The NFL owns Sunday. I don't care if you're in the uh, U.S. or Canada. People watch football in Canada. A lot of them do. Sunday night at 8 is stupid. It just is. The WNBA put all their games on Sundays. Stupid. You're competing against Goliath. Why not try to compete against David? How about a Friday night? Heritage Classic. When nobody watches sports. When it's, okay, maybe we'll get to the TV because we're going to watch this. This Heritage Classic. Saturday would have been better. Have it as part of Hockey Night in Canada. Late game. Or have it as an early game. And bump the lease from Hockey Night. No, can't do that. Stupid. Sunday at 8. Nevertheless, next Sunday at 8 o'clock, I'm sure you'll all be glued to your TVs now, there's a Heritage Classic between the Oilers and the Flames. Yes. Cheer. Yeah, it's going to be awesome, right? Connor McDavid now might be out of that outdoor game because it's a one- to two-week injury. And if my math is correct... If they announce the injury today, one week from today is next Sunday when the Heritage Class, that's seven days. So, wow, that's one to two weeks. So he's unlikely to play in the outdoor game, which is a kick in the pills because he's the biggest player in the sport. And are people going to watch it in the United States on a Sunday at 8? If he's not playing two Canadian teams when they could watch Sunday Night Football, I wonder what they'll choose. Even if it's the Bears, for Christ's sake, which hopefully they flex out. But hey, I don't run it. I don't run your show, TV networks. I just, I'm just trying to help you. I'm just trying to help you. I'm just trying to grow the game. You know. Try to make people happy. Try to make you more money. But oh no. Who knows? But he's out one to two weeks. He doesn't look healthy. The Edmonton Oilers, defense, goaltending, depth scoring, all brutal. They lose to the Jets last night at home. 
Oilers aren't good. And without Connor McDavid, they're really not good because it's Leon Dreisaitl and a bunch of others. In the one to two week period of that injury, which is the timeline we've been given, so that's the timeline I'm going to go with, the Oilers uh, go to Minnesota, not an easy game, host the Rangers, I don't think the Rangers are very good, but much to my chagrin, they win some games. They play in the outdoor game next Sunday at 8 o'clock, if you haven't heard about it. They then, lucky for them, they don't play that many games because then they host Dallas and have an afternoon game against the Preds. That's the two-week schedule. A lot of playoff teams in there. Battle of Alberta. Minnesota's a playoff team last year. Rangers were a playoff team last year. I don't know how many of those games they win. But you're without your best player. The best player in the sport is going to be out for one to two weeks on a team that needs him. The Edmonton Oilers are not in a stage where you can say big trouble yet because it's so early into the season. So many things will transpire that change in opinion or change in outlook on a team or on a situation. But it's fair to say they're not in a good position. They don't have a lot of good team depth. They don't play a great they don't play great defensively. Their goaltending is as average as it gets. So it's certainly troubling for the Edmonton Oilers. And you hate seeing McDavid off the ice because he's the most entertaining player to watch in the league. Point blank and the period. What else could we talk about? How about Alex DeBrinkat? Speaking of MVPs. Alex DeBrinkat. Former member of the Ottawa Senators. Off-season, he's talking to people. And he says, you know what? It was fun this one year in Ottawa. I had, you know, I had a good time. But it's just not for me. I'm from Michigan. I'd rather go home and play for my team, the Red Wings. And they pull off a trade, and he gets to go back to Detroit, and he signs a four-year extension. So he's happy. Ottawa fans boo him yesterday afternoon when he makes his return. But he's happy. And Detroit faithful is happy because the Detroit Red Wings are now 5-1 and one to start the season, destroying the Calgary Flames today 6-2 to two, and crushing the Senators yesterday on the road. With a 5-2 to two score. They're keeping pucks out of their own net. They're playing good defensively. And Alex DeBrinkat has been playing like the MVP of the league. 17 minutes today, he had four points, including a hat trick. He now leads the NHL in goals with eight. Justin Hall also had three assists today. That's just for you, Leaf fans. We look around this team, Lucas Raymond has six points in six games. 
Dylan Larkin has 11 points in six games. Debrinkat has 11 points in six games. And the team just looks happy. David Perron's been a good ad. Daniel Sprong, I got that I thought would be fantastic. He hits another point today. He's got two quick goals in the season. Philly Huso, James Reimer, goaltending's been good. They're playing a fun style of hockey. Fast, in your face, a dynamic power play. Debrinkat's always been a good goal scorer. He was in Chicago. He was a decent one in Ottawa. But eight goals in the first two weeks, that's a hell of a start. The way he can score, it can almost guarantee he gets you to 40 goals, get you into that echelon. Now it's early. We've seen bad teams have really good starts to seasons. And I give Detroit credit for being 5-1. and one. Being first in the Atlantic at this point. I still don't think they're a great team. I think they have a lot of holes. But a guy like Andrew Kopp, a player I really like, has had a great start. He makes this team more competitive. Sherrod Debrinkat, Christian Fisher had a great game yesterday. Dylan Larkin is a good player. He has been for a long time. He's just kind of stuck on a team that nobody cares about. Moritz Sider. I've talked about him for a long time. As a guy that I think could win a Norris. Again, just stuck on a team that nobody really cares about. Nobody follows. But Debrinkat's really put them on the map. The Maple Leafs have had a good start. Sure. No doubt about it. They rally and get a win last night in Tampa. I'm sure it felt good for them to improve to 3-2. and two. And Tavares gets a big goal. And Matthew Nyes gets on the score sheet with a three-point night. And Domi gets a couple primary assists. So he gets off the schneid and gets people excited about him. And Bill Nylander has been one of the best players in the sport over the first two weeks with Debrinkat. Better than Matthews. I'll throw that in there just for fun. But I mean, even with even with that start, and even though the Maple Leafs people talk about them every second of every day, the Red Wings only have one loss. They've won division games. They've done it all. Win on the road. Win at home. Doesn't matter. They're a more popular story currently than almost anybody. The only thing that can really rival it, rival it is you can look at Vegas and look at Colorado. Vegas is the only team in NHL history to start their season 6-0 following winning the Stanley Cup. Only team ever. No Stanley Cup hangover. No drought. You start your year... You are 6-0. and That's impressive to me. They Every night, they find ways to win. No player has to be a superstar. Jack Eichel is fantastic, but he doesn't have to be the guy every night. They have depth scoring. They have the team to do it. 
two good goaltenders, and oddly enough, Logan Thompson has been better than the Stanley Cup champion in Aiden Hill so far. Logan Thompson's been rock solid. Colorado, they beat Carolina on home ice. Rantanen, McKinnon, Arteri Luckinen, Logan O'Connor's got three goals on the season. They're all shorthanded. <laughs> three goals on the season, all shorthanded for this guy. Having a hell of a start. We have Colorado, 5-0. Vegas, 6-0. Won't carry on forever, but I think both teams, they're the two best teams in the league. They're going to be tough to beat, tough to match up with. On a given night, they give you your best. Because I think Vegas is motivated to do it, do it again. I think Colorado's pissed off that Vegas won while they're in their prime, in their era. There's other stories. Quinn Hughes has been playing phenomenal for the Vancouver Canucks. His ability, his play on the ice night in, night out, his ability to, for me, he's improved his defensive game so much. It was not a strength in the first number of years of his career. His defensive game was kind of panic and be the guy who got a lot of points. But you look so far this year at, at a guy like Quinn Hughes. New captain, all that. And he's got five points in five games. And that's really impressive. What's more impressive to me is he's playing 25 minutes a night. He's playing those big minutes. He's going up against the top players. He has not been on the ice for a goal against this season. There hasn't been a mistake that you can look at the tape, watch the game, and, okay, that was Quinn Hughes' fault that that went in the net. That's where plus-minus has value, not just looking at, okay, I finished the game plus one today, and your your mother can put a, a sticker on, on your lunch can and go, way to go. It's looking at, okay, I did this so well. When I was on the ice... We didn't allow scoring chances. And we, Quinn Hughes has played against the Oilers and McDavid and Dreisaitl twice. He get, played against the Florida Panthers last night. Who can score? And they scored three goals. And he's doing it. He's playing that efficiently. That family is impressive. Because we talked about DeBrincat, Jack Hughes. Talk about hot starts. Whew. He's been all over the ice. He had four points on Friday night in an overtime victory. He's got four goals on the season, but his brother Luke has looked damn good too. He got his first great NHL goal in that game. The power play is efficient. He's looking like a guy that could compete for the Hart Trophy. 10 points in four games, 22 shots on net. 
Luke Hughes will continue to get more and more of a look. You still have Dougie Hamilton, who's got three goals in four games as a defenseman. Still got Bruins, Ducks tonight. Bruins have, they beat the Kings. They're now 4-0 in the season. Craziness. You go out west. You have to play weird. You haven't played an Eastern Conference team yet. And it's October, what the hell it is, 20, 22nd. And you haven't played an Eastern Conference team yet for, for Boston. And yet you're winning games out west. And they play they play the Blackhawks again on Tuesday, so they're not even gonna be home yet. Poor Blackhawks. Get the Bruins twice in October. And you have to play Vegas. They played Vegas last Thursday, and they play Vegas again on Friday. You got the Leafs early. They've just the Penguins, they got a shovel of shit. Bruins play the Ducks on Thursday. They play the Ducks twice in four days. Western Conference. The Bruins' first game against Eastern Conference team will be against Alex DeBrinca and the Detroit Red Wings next Saturday on the 28th of October. And yes, the Bruins are in the Eastern Conference. If you didn't know. Just to smooth that out for everybody, they uh, they do play in that uh, in that division. So, but just that's staggering. The NHL has been fun so far. Only one game tomorrow night that we'll we'll talk about. Canadians Sabers. Only one game on a Monday night. Will we have a Game 7 in the American League Championship Series? Astros won in dramatic fashion on Friday. A hell of a game. Back and forth affair. Adolis Garcia hits a big home run. Bobby Abreu hits Adolis Garcia with a pitch. He freaks out. They eject Dusty Baker and Garcia. And Bobby Abreu, I don't think there should have been an injection. I, ejection. I don't think he was hit on purpose. It was the eighth inning of a playoff game. Through all that, the Astros escaped the inning. Get two batters on, bottom of their lineup. Two pinch hitters get on base. I wrote this down because I knew Singleton, it was his first at-bat of the postseason. You had Yanir Diaz, who's a backup catcher, who did not have a hit in the postseason. He hits a single. Singleton comes on. He walks. That was the eighth and ninth hitters. Altuve comes up, and he hits a three-run homer to left field. He now has 26 home runs, which is three shy of the all-time record for the history of baseball postseasons. Crazy stuff. That's what Altuve has produced in his career. Multiple-time World Series champion. Texas had that game. And now Game 6 is tonight in Houston, where Houston has lost both games at home. Texas lost all three at home. And we'll see what happens tonight. First inning, it's already 1-0 Houston. Jordan Alvarez with an RBI single. 
after Altuve singled and Michael Brantley was playing left field tonight, walked to get on base. I picked Texas to win the series. Yavaldi's on the mound. He's 3-0 in the postseason. He's been dynamite. Framper Valdez is on the mound for Houston. He has not been good in the playoffs. But yet, he's done it before. He's been in these big moments. Verlander was good again on Friday. Texas wins tonight. You turn to Max Scherzer for Game 7. Not a whole lot of confidence there in him. He's not exactly been awesome. The other series, Game 6 tomorrow. Phillies bludgeoned the Diamondbacks last night. Bryce Harper, Kyle Schwarber, the big boys came home to roost. Zach Gallen could not produce, and Zach Wheeler went six innings, seven innings, pardon me. So you get Merrill Kelly trying to save the Diamondbacks season, and Aaron Nola, who was a 0.47 ERA. I like the I think the Phillies win at home tomorrow night. It's their bats, their pitching, their experience. They're the better team. We may get a World Series rematch after all of this. The Astros look like they weren't going to win their division, might not make the playoffs after their regular season, and they get back to the World Series with home field advantage. And the Phillies, who are in a division with the Braves and with the Marlins and the injuries and inconsistencies, you might get to get back to the World Series despite all those odds. Wouldn't that be something? Wait and see. Still a lot of baseball to be played. But that would be a fun story for baseball. The best story in the best World Series, if you ask me, if you're just talking about ratings and what people will care about. People hate the Astros, so you want to see them there so you can root against them. Phillies have all the firepower, have all the big names, so people will tune in. We had UFC 294 this weekend. An odd event. A lot of the prelims go three rounds. One fight was called off because of a serious injury to the groin. Big observations. Nathaniel Wood, a featherweight 145-pounder I like, lost a close fight to Muhammad Nemov. There were so many violations in that fight, so many chances, so many cheats. Two low blows. He grabbed the cage multiple times. I thought that was bullshit. I think Nathaniel Wood's the better fighter. He got robbed on Sunday. Trevor Peake coming off his first pro loss gets back in the win column. Good fight for him. Muhammad Mahayev, 22-year-old, flyweight, Undefeated, fights veteran Tim Elliott. Close fight in the first two rounds. Tim Elliott was fighting very smart, very smart, very composed. But Mohab Mahayev has a lot of third-round finishes, and he got another one, an arm triangle. He beats Tim Elliott. He'll now jump to number 10 in the flyweight rankings. He's becoming a bigger and bigger star. He keeps himself relevant. UFC can go a lot of different ways with him. 
I don't think they want to rush him in anything. They want him to develop. He'll be at 10. Matt Schnell is a fight booked. Manel Cap should be fighting Kai Kara France in the near future. Matias Nicolau. Amir Albaizi does not have a fight. That would be fun. Coming off his win over Kai Kara France. So there's a couple of different ways that they can go. But I think Mahayev is a star and he's a very good fighter. Alskarov. Second fight in the UFC. Akim Alskarov. Two minutes and seven seconds. Knocks out Warby Alves with a nasty knee. He's at middleweight. He's dangerous. He needs a ranked opponent in his next fight. He's that good. He said he wants a guy in the top 10. Don't blame him for saying that. He'll be ranked this week. I'm looking at that division. Just Jack Hermanson. Chris Curtis is booked for next year. He was scheduled to fight Paulo Costa. You could just rebook that fight. Which would be fine by me. Johnny Walker. Fighting Magomed Ankalaev. Title eliminator in my opinion. But There's a moment in the fight. Where. Johnny Walker. Gets hit with an illegal knee. Stops the fight. He's given time. The doctor comes over. And he asks Johnny Walker. Where are you? And Johnny Walker says the desert. Now Johnny Walker is Brazilian. English is not his first language. So this is difficult. He says the desert. Technically he's not wrong. They're fighting in Abu Dhabi. The doctor rules he's not fit to continue fighting. Uncle I have looked great early on in the fight. Ankalaev, his last fight I thought was screwed out of a title against Jan Blachowicz. He now has this result. So where do you go from here? 205 is just a division that can never get anything right. Something always happens. So Ankalaev, who hadn't fought nearly a year, doesn't even get through a round. I thought the winner of this fight, you could say, gets the winner of Yuri Prohaska and Alex Pereira in next month in New York. I don't know if you run this fight back in the not-too-distant future so you can get a result, so you can get a number one contender. Because I don't think there's an obvious one outside of these two guys. Other than if Jamal Hill is healthy early in 2024, and I don't think he will be. So if I'm the UFC, I am rebooking this fight in 2024 or maybe later this year, potentially. Co-main event, Hamzat Chemaev, Kamara Usman, 185 pounds. Chemaev dominates the first round. You could give it a 10-8. I thought it was a 10-8. He dominated, he controlled them, everything. But credit to Usman, he didn't panic. He stayed composed, and he did not allow him to get him out of there. Second round, Usman on the feet, his striking, very, very solid, was better than Chamayev when it comes to boxing. He looked really good. Third round, again, he's winning on the feet. He's winning in the boxing. Chamayev scored a takedown 
I thought this was a draw. I thought Usman won the second and the third rounds, and it was a 10-8 in the first, which means a draw. If this was a five-round fight, Usman would have won, even though he took the fight on short notice. He looks comfortable at 185 pounds. He got better as the fight went on. Those last two Edward losses did not face him. He took the loss like a man, but he needs to stay at 185 pounds. He's got nothing to do at 170. The UFC's not going to do a rematch here. They very well could. But Sean Strickland's champion. I'm sure they want Chemayev to fight for the title next. Because Izzy's taking a break. Drickus wants it, but I don't think they want to give it to him. So Von Kamara Usman, my next fight's against Robert Whitaker. Robert Whitaker needs a fight that makes sense. Two guys that are former champions that need to prove something. I thought Usman looked great in this fight. It goes another two rounds. He wins. He could be the number one contender for Sean Strickland. Whitaker coming off a loss to Drickus Duplessis. You fought Jared. You beat him. You fought Vittori twice. You beat him. You fought Paulo Costa. You beat him. You have nobody that makes sense. Fight Kamara Usman. Usman becomes a full-time 185-pounder. That fight will sell anywhere. Co-main event on a pay-per-view. Whitaker, Usman, maybe February or March 2024. For Hamza Chemaev, he said it doesn't matter. It's not about titles for him. It's about making money, whatever. The UFC wants him to be around. Wouldn't shock me if Strickland and Hamza Chemaev are headlining UFC 300 in April. Because Chemayev is box office. Strickland is becoming more and more popular. Strickland did say after the fight, Hamzat sucks. He doesn't deserve the title shot. I don't disagree. I think Drickus Duplessis has earned the opportunity to, to fight for the belt over Chemayev, but sometimes that's just not the way it goes. They like Hamzat. Drickus has pissed them off. And I think Hamzat is the bigger fight at this point. Main event, not even past the first round. This was the stunner. I thought Volkanovski was going to become a double champ. First round, Islam Magic with a head kick on Volkanovski. Drops him. The first two TKO loss for Volkanovski since 2013. A decade. Islam beats him for the second time. Gives Volk a ton of credit. And Volkanovski kind of got emotional talking about not being active and missing out on fighting becomes really kind of depressing for him. He said he still wants to fight in January in Toronto against Ilya Teporia. I think that if he can fight by January, absolutely go do it. He's still one of the best to ever do it, period. He might not be able to become a two a double division champion. But he owns 145. He's done it for a long time. Teporia is a very difficult opponent. His most difficult opponent at 145 since Max Holloway, in my opinion. We'll see how that goes. For Islam, he just beats everybody. He does it all. He doesn't matter. He just goes out there and he does his job. He said he doesn't care who he fights next. He'll whoever the UFC offers. Dana White, after saying Charles Oliveira deserves the next, I don't even understand this. 
Charles ruined this to begin with. With an injury, I don't think he wants to fight Islam again. Charles should move up to 170 because I think that's his real weight class because it's so hard for him to make weight at 155. For me, Islam and Justin Gaethje is the fight to make. Justin Gaethje is a headliner no matter what happens. He beat Dustin Poirier. He beat Rafael Faziev. He's on the back nine of his career. And you have the storyline of Gaethje losing to Habib in his retirement fight. Can he get redemption against Habib's protege? And he's box office. He just is. Don't know where they're going to have pay-per-views. I know they're having one in Toronto to start 2024. To me, Gaethje is the fight. to. I'm not booking Charles and Islam again. And the build-up for it, people, people were ready for it. Then it didn't happen. I think it's dead. I'm not going back to that well. I think it holds up your division. Who would Gaethje fight in the meantime? He's not going to risk his spot for a fight against... He's already fought Poirier. He's not going to fight Mateus Gamrot. Why would he? It makes no sense. Who's the backup fighter during this event? He's going to sit and wait and see what happens and say, I'm fighting Islam when it's available. That's it. Point and the period. Gaethje Islam is the fight for me. It's the most interesting fight. It's a fight that will sell the most. It can headline a pay-per-view easy. Unless you want to go Islam against Colby Covington, if Colby Covington can become champion in December, Islam moves up. That can sell because those two guys got a lot of heat. They don't like each other. And the UFC loves Colby. That's clear. So they have options. No UFC this coming weekend. They'll return in two weeks in Sao Paulo, Brazil, when Jelton Almeida will fight the Black Beast, Derek Lewis, in a five-round main event. College football this week, a number of upsets. Virginia beat North Carolina, one and five team. University of Miami beats Clemson in double overtime. FSU gets by Duke in a tight affair. Penn State, Ohio State, a bit of a clunker, but Ohio State wins. Alabama. Does not allow a point in the second half to Tennessee. The SEC is a weak conference, but Alabama's back in the top 10. Washington survives an Arizona State scare. The best teams, we know who they are, and they just need to continue to find ways to keep winning. As simple as that. Air Force is ranked 18th. Love it. This coming weekend, not a great slate of games. Oklahoma at Kansas. Oklahoma nearly lost to UCF. Florida State going to Wake. Let's see. Georgia playing Florida. Both teams coming off a bye. Duke at Louisville. BYU hosting Texas without Quinn Ewers as he was injured. Oregon, Utah at 4 3. That's a fun game. Utah beating USC. USC now with two losses. They still have some tough games on their schedule. They're out of the college football playoff. They're done. USC has Cal this weekend. Cal, not a great team. 
Primetime Tennessee at Kentucky, two SEC schools, both five and two. Washington at Stanford, Vandy at Ole Miss, the Colorado Buffaloes after the horrible loss and a bye week. They're at UCLA. I think they can win that game. Ohio State at Wisconsin. So we got some interesting games. No show tomorrow. This show right now is Monday show, really, recapping the weekend. We'll be back on Tuesday with the reaction to what's transpired in Major League Baseball. We'll recap tonight's Sunday night football game and Monday night football. Any any NHL storylines, whatever happens, we'll be back on Tuesday. Sunday night is really Monday's program, so we'll see you all on Tuesday. Appreciate the support. Hope you enjoyed tonight's episode. Talk to you Tuesday. This is To The Point.